0: much for being with us today uh thank you uh, you're welcome there's uh there's six seats right up front if anyone would like to take them when I pray and you could run down here and hey before we get going I did this last service but I'd like to do it again uh, can you guys ask officer Troy to come in officer Troy is uh retiring so uh I know it's kind of bothers me but if Officer Troy could come in, he's hes not going to want to, but force him. Granted, he has a gun, but let's welcome Officer Troy. Hey, man. I know we had you come last service, but I just wanted to let you know that you're appreciated by this service as well. And they, uh, as I said, we're going to miss you, man. Just your face out there. And, you know, and you have a gun. And so, <laughs> you know, just your, your presence makes us feel safer. And so you've served your community, our community, and you've served this church. And seriously, I I don't mean to get choked up, but thank you. You've been a real blessing to us, man. And... Wherever the Lord takes you, either the East Coast or Wyoming. Why'd you go to Wyoming? I don't know. <laughs> but wherever the Lord takes you, we pray his blessings. And we pray you kind of hang in touch with us every so often. Let us know how you're doing because uh, you're just not only a good man, but you've been a blessing to us. So thank you so much. Could we pray for him before he goes? Oh Lord, I, I thank you for Officer Troy. I thank you for his, his devotion to this community, his devotion to keep us safe here. Uh, Just his presence out there has been a sense uh, of security for me and for our congregation and family. Lord, wherever he goes, we pray that you would just order his ways and his days and let him just know that uh, we're praying for him. He has a home here, but God bless wherever he goes. Just do a work in, in whatever his hand he puts his hand to. Thank you for a man like him. Thank you for what he has done here and in this place. And Just watch over and keep him, we pray. Uh, he deserves whatever retirement time you give him. Just be with him. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. You may be seated. By the way, you'll notice it's a little, little full in here. Uh, there's a few seats down here and other places. But in case you didn't know, we have a Saturday night service. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a few, there's, it's, it's growing, but it runs about three, three and a quarter, which is about half of, or less than half than what's here today in this service. So if you, if you or your life group would like to transition, it, it's the same service, it's a blessing, and we have a lot of fun at that service as well. So think about transitioning to Saturday night and making room for new people. Now listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something here. If you're new in the last two or three weeks, I'm not gonna have you stand. We're not gonna pray over you or anything like that. I just, would you just lift your hand? Because I just wanna see if there are any new people. Oh, lift your hands. Well, hey, th- let's give them a hand. Thank you for coming. It means a lot. Okay. Well, so, so thank you, and so think about Saturday nights. I used to do seven services on a weekend, and one Friday night, two Saturday, and four on Sunday, and I don't, I don't wanna go back. And so if you could help us move, we won't have to start that, that 7 a.m. service, so I'm just kidding, we never start at 7 a.m. But uh, come and, and let's, let's, if you can help us by giving your seat up for someone who might be a guest, that'd mean a lot. Okay. Let's, uh, let's stand for the reading of the word. I know you just stood up, but let's do it again. Get some exercise. This is Philippians chapter, chapter 1, 27, uh, 27 through 30. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard. It's one of the most direct translations you'll find in Bible translations. And I just really appreciate it, the way it said what we're going to talk about today. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and this too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer on his behalf, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Lord, let your word go deep in our hearts. May it change us from the inside out in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Okay, now I know there's some football games starting, but stay focused the whole time. Don't, don't worry about who wins, who loses, because it, it just doesn't matter. Uh, imagine imagine the, the dream job for you is opened up. Just imagine that. And you're gonna redo your resume, you've got an interview coming up, and you wanna look good. And you read on the internet that seven out of 10 people embellish or outright lie when, they, when they, they do their resume, when they write their resume. And so you're in a quandary, should I do what everybody else does or not? What should I do? And so you look down and on your wrist, there's, a, a four, there's four letters on this wrist, and it's WWJD, What would, Jesus what would Jesus do? And the chances are Jesus would not want you to lie, he'd want you to be honest and then trust him. But you not only have that wristband, but you're a twofer. You got one on this hand too. You've got another one right over here, and it says WWMD, and that stands for what would. No, uh, I'm going to tell you. You don't need to guess. <laughs> what would Machiavelli do, Machiavelli? Now he was a he was a 16th century. Writer, uh, political strategist, and uh, philosopher, and he, uh, his thing was this: that no matter what you have to do to get what you want, go ahead and do it because it's justified, because you want it, because honestly, winning is everything. Winning is everything. It doesn't matter if you have to lie. It doesn't matter if you have to cheat. doesn't matter if you have to steal. Whatever you have to do to get your way is the thing that you should do. And that's where we get the saying, the end justifies the, end justifies the means. The end justifies the mean is from, from uh, Niccolo Machiavelli. Do whatever you have to do to win. Because quite honestly, that seems what we're, what we're about. Uh, Stephen Bean wrote this book entitled, What Would Machiavelli Do? I just picked it up. The end justifies the meanness. The end justifies the meanness. And the chapter titles are about how Machiavelli, if he were climbing the ladder of success, what he would do and how he would go about it. And some of the title headings are, are I thought they were interesting. Uh, if he were climbing the ladder of success, uh, of success, if he had to, he would fire his own mother. He would be proud of his cruelty and see it as a strength. He would make you fear for your life. He would feast on other people's discord. Now, that's that satire that he's writing about Machiavelli, probably the prince, the writing of the prince, but basically, it's do whatever, get rid of whoever stands in your way because winning is everything. Lie on your resume because if you don't, somebody else will. And as Lombardi said, winning isn't everything, it is the, it's the only thing. I mean, everybody likes to win and we've, we've created a culture of something like this, in it to win it. I mean, if you're not a winner, if you're not, if you're not winning, if you're not succeeding at all costs, then, then you might be something less than, maybe even a loser. Uh, Newt Rotten, said this, that uh, famous coach, he said, show me a gracious loser and I'll show you a failure. George Steinbrenner said, winning is the most important thing in my life after breathing, breathing first, winning second. Leo DeRocher, who had a way with words, he he said this, he said, listen, I never said that you can't be a nice guy and win, I simply said that if I were playing third base and my mother rounded third with the winning run, I would trip her. And then Tiger Woods said this. He said, winning solves everything. We live in a time where it's about winning at all costs. We've got to be winners. We, we teach our kids, man, you got to win. you got to get out there. you got to do it. We see it in sports. We see it in business. We see it in politics. In sports, you remember the big steroid controversy in baseball. You see the, the, the doping scandal. The, uh, someone with my last name, Lance Armstrong, uh, winning seven Tour de France's and, and cheating for maybe all of them, oxygenating his blood and taking cheating to an art form and then getting upset if people questioned him. I mean, it was, it was a crazy time in the sports world. Business is no better. Minimum security country clubs are filled with guys who felt that by stealing money was the way to win. They didn't steal millions. They sold ten hundreds of millions, right? And so we see it in business. We see it in the way people treat each other in business. You see it in, in politics, certainly. I, I, I don't even want to. I don't wanna even want to get started on that one. We won't talk about politics. We have a rule here. But I, I got. I, I do want to say this. There's this guy on the scene. He just became a congressman, who is taking lying to a new, new level. I don't want to. I don't want to name names. George Santos. I don't want to name names. But I gotta tell you, the man's interesting. I mean, even when telling the truth would be to his benefit, this guy finds a way to lie. I mean, and, and now he's in, the, the, he's in Congress. And so, I, I, don't, I won't touch that either, but in it to win it seems to be the motto. And then you, then you come to this, this, this personage, the one we just worshiped. You come to this Jesus, and, and the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, came to our world to die on the cross for our salvation, to bring us back into fellowship with God. But if you will, he says the craziest things. He doesn't say winner stuff. He says what some might perceive out in the world as loser stuff. He says stuff like, listen, love yourself less and love God more like with your whole heart, mind, and soul. Or he'll say, love your neighbor as yourself. Or he'll say, "In this one, come on, love your enemies, really? Love your enemies, forgive those who hurt you. Don't judge others before you take a hard look at yourself. Give a cup of cold water in my name, serve the least of these, wash someone's feet. Treat others as you want to be treated. Be a servant of all. Give your life away. Instead of being first, be last. And if you really want to win, be willing to lose everything. I mean, can you, can you imagine Machiavelli hearing this stuff? I mean, loser. I mean, honestly, he would go crazy with this. And then you have the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said these words. He said, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I'm gonna paraphrase. Whatever you do, make sure that you live your life in such a way as to point people to Jesus and let them see his glory. Do whatever you gotta do. Uh, not Lombardi, not Steinbrenner, not Machiavelli. See, if you're, a, if you're a non-Christ follower, if you're out there in the world, you can pick anyone to be your, your hero. You can pick, and there's a lot of big names out there, and I won't even go down the list, but there's a lot of people right now that are gaining, garnering attention for their leadership, their life, their success, their winning principles. But here's the thing if your heart cries out for something more, they're not gonna do it for you. They're gonna tell you how to win, but someone's gonna end up, you know, Jesus is gonna tell you how to die and then live forever. Is that okay to say it that way? That just came to me. You wanna write that down? <laughs> Jesus is the one you want, He's the one you want. He, he's, not a, he's not a success institute trainer. He's not a leadership guru. He's, not, he, he's the one who came, died, rose again, and then said all of these wonderful things to us. He said, live your life. He said, your conduct. The word conduct is from a Greek word that means to be a good citizen. The word conduct in the Greek means to be good. It means to be a good citizen. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was part uh, an extension of Rome, And the people of Philippi were really excited about this. We get to be citizens, we're under Rome's control, and we want to do everything we can. Our time, our talent, and our treasure, we want to impress Rome by how good we are, by our conduct, by how we live. Their desire was to impress Rome by who they were. Now the Apostle Paul knows all this, and he declares, now wait a minute, he says, if you're going to conduct yourself in such a way, if you're going to walk in full devotion to anyone, it shouldn't be those guys, it should probably be the one who died for you on the cross. If you're gonna conduct your life in such a way as to bring glory and honor to anyone, it ought to be to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul declares this, you don't belong to Rome, you belong to the kingdom of heaven. You belong to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Conduct yourself. The good news of the gospel is is salvation that we are under, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again. So if there's anyone you're gonna walk worthy towards, it needs to be him. It needs to be Jesus. So what's the lesson for us? I mean, that's why we we look at God's word. What's the lesson for you and me? Here it is, our conduct, our way of life should reflect our citizenship and dedication to the kingdom of heaven. To live worthy of the gospel is to live with integrity, honoring Christ in all we say and do. Not what someone out there says is right because whatever is right today will be wrong tomorrow, whatever's wrong tomorrow will probably be glorified the next day. I mean, we live in a topsy-turvy world and and what, what Paul is saying is if you want to get your life on track, if you want to be someone who really has their their life together, then bring your life and make it congruent with the teachings of Jesus. Love the Lord Jesus. Live for the gospel. Conduct yourself. Bring your life in congruent. Respond and bring your life in alignment with who Jesus is. He's saying that's how we move forward in life today. Let your life be congruent and in alignment. Live worthy of of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believers don't live perfectly. We live by forgiveness and we live by the grace of God. But as I live with grace, as I live in the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the response of my life should be some old-fashioned words that no one's gonna like to hear, but here they are. Words like integrity. Words like virtue. Words like living with character. Being the type of person that that honors the Lord Jesus Christ by responding in my conduct by being a person that wouldn't lie on their resume, that wouldn't cut corners because we live our lives and our conduct is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone still with me today? That's where we're, what we're called and how we're called to live, honoring Christ in all we do. For, for us in this room who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be no question who gets our allegiance. There can be no question on who we're going to follow. There can be no question that if, if someone in this world says, do it this way, but yet the Lord Jesus Christ says, do it this way. There's no question. For our calling is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ today. We are citizens of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I went online. I was just interested to find out what I paid for a sandwich in 2020. Some of you are thinking, you have way too much time on your hands. <laughs> I get that. So I went and I checked out Jimmy John's, their prices of, in 2020. Did you know that what I pay now $15.50-some cents for, I paid $8.60 back in 2020 for the same sandwich and chip and drink? Well, that's just annoying in and of itself. But let me tell you, the Jimmy john I'm not going to tell you which one, but I go through the drive through and uh, uh, sorry. And they started when I give it when I flip out my credit card because I sorry I thought it was me. Uh, when I flip out my credit card because I keep I keep a track of all that we spend and uh, they've been giving me the little thing to sign. Well, no other fast food really does that. They give you the receipt wrapped around your card. McDonald's, everybody. Not that I go to all those places, but I'm just saying. <laughs> But, and the reason that, that they're doing that, if the right manager's on at, at this Jimmy John's, it's so that you'll write out a tip for them, a gratuity. Now, friends, on a scale of 1 to 10, I happen to be a 9 or a 10 when it comes to tipping. I, I think servers work extremely hard. They, you're welcome. They work extremely hard. And, and so when I, when I go to the, place, what the places that I frequent, I'm, I'm a good tipper, uh, one place I go, when I walk in, they know that they're going to go get me a Diet Dr. Pepper and they're going to keep them coming. And so I, 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 love, I, I think they're great for that. But to be honest with you, going through a drive-thru and signing out, uh, giving a tip for a drive-thru, it bothers me. And so I I don't do it. now. And I'm sorry if you're offended by that. I just, I, I can't do it. And so I, I, Friday I went through Jimmy John's. I know you think I go there a lot, but I... <laughs> I, uh, I went through, and from the get-go, from the minute this, this young lady is giving me uh, direction and asking and saying, how are you doing, and all these kinds of things, I am impressed with this young woman. I'm just impressed by her. And I get to the window, and she is the nicest. She's not being flirtatious, and I certainly hope you understand I'm not either. I was just impressed by how she did her job. And I thought to myself, after her niceness and her caring way that, you know, in, in this world of getting it done fast. She was just taking your time to do it right. I, I said, you know what? She hands me that slip. I'm filling it out, and I'm going to put a gratuity on there because she impressed me. She was just nice. And, and honestly, in this generation, this world, finding someone nice is a big deal. I mean, I went home, and I told Mary about it. I mean, somebody thinking, you really need to get a life. But I, for me, it was a big deal. And then, uh, you know, I, I shared it with you. By the way, she just handed me my card back and didn't write me out a slip because she just didn't do it. As I thought about that and why I'm taking time to share that with you, it came down to this. You know, she lived, in that context, she lived in such a way that I bragged on her. Here's my question. Who's who's bragging on us? Who's sharing stories about how we treat people? Who's... Who's saying, you know what, that that Ray Armstrong is the nicest guy in the world, or you know what, I, you know that, that guy or that woman, she is so kind, or or you know what, here's one for you, you know what, we had we we disagree over some things, we disagree over some things, but they they still respected my my point of view, or or you know what they don't like this about me, they don't like that, but they still treat me in a nice way. What's the world saying about we who follow? How do, how, what's the world saying about how we conduct ourselves out in the world? Is that a valid question? I think we should be asking it more, quite honestly. You know, now for the last couple of years, our reputation is, is, well, in my opinion, you, you can disagree with this just as long as we do it in a nice way, um, has been drugged through the mud. That's my opinion, and we, we won't even go there. But we, we have some rehab to do. When my mom hurt her hip, she needed to go to rehab. Mom never did the work at rehab, and, and consequently, she never walked again. Friends, look right over here. We need some rehab. We need to conduct our lives in the worthiness of who Jesus is. Does that make sense to everybody? He goes on to say, he goes, he, he, there's more. I mean, he goes on to say this. Uh, the rest of verse 27. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That word standing firm, let me just give you the definition I wrote and you can agree with it if you want. Standing firm means to hold one's ground regardless of the danger or opposition. Standing firm is to defend one's position no matter the cost. It means to hold your ground and not retreat. As I thought about this, I thought about when I first watched The Patriot. Mel Gibson's The Patriot. anyone see it? It's a good movie. I, I, I like it. But there's that last scene when they're fighting, when the uh, 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 revolutionary forces are fighting Cornwallis's regulars, that, that last battle. And um, the militia has a reputation for running when the, when the regulars start shooting those volleys. I mean, they stand... Like, I don't know, 30, 40 yards apart, and they shoot at each other. I mean, crazy, right? But they run. And so uh, Gibson goes to them as, in his character, he says, listen, uh, you can't run. I need you to take two volleys. I need you to stand there. I need you to hold the line. I need you to stand firm, if, as it were, for two volleys. And they did, and then they, the, 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 they start winning. And so now they charge. The revolutionary forces, they see that they can win this thing. They charge the hill, and they're, they're almost to the hill, and then over the hill comes the second, the second wave of the uh, British regulars, the British Army, which is a pretty good army. And, and they see it, and they're, they're, they're shell-shocked. I mean, man, these guys are coming over the hill, and you hear, and you hear the words start being shared through the line, retreat, retreat, and, and, and men are starting to turn around and, and run, and Gibson's character, he sees it and he grabs the flag and he says, Hold the line, hold the line. And he starts waving and he starts wa- And men see this and, and, and they start turning and they start heading back to the battle because someone dared to say, Hold the line. The apostle Paul is saying to you and I today, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, hold the line. Stand firm. Don't quit. Don't give in to culture. Don't start thinking that culture knows better than what the word of God has to say. Don't give up, don't back up, don't quit. Hold the line and stand together in the face of whatever's taking place out there. Lift up for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're gonna wave a flag, let it be the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ today. That's the call of we who are the church this morning. Hold the line. Stand firm. Then he goes on to say, and do it, and, and do it in one spirit and one mind. That small less spirit, it's not the context of the Holy Spirit. It's you and I being in the same spirit. It's walking in agreement. It's walking in one mind. It means, what it means is we live this life together. We are interdependent. We need each other. Now, friends, let's be honest about it. And we've seen this in churches across the United States and probably around the world. If, if you come in and I'm talking politics and I'm telling you who's bad out there and who's this or that, you're going to start dividing yourself among blue, sta- blue people and red people. And eventually one or the other is going to start leaving because uh, we got divided because the guy who stood on the platform started talking about stuff. Let me tell you something. There's only one person that unites us and it's not anyone on this planet. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's my thought, go with me on this, see if I'm thinking right. If we wanna walk in one mind and one spirit, then we have to do what the apostle Paul says, we need to live our lives for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to keep pointing ourselves back to Jesus, walking in the spirit, walking letting our conduct, our integrity point people to Jesus, so that when, when, when difficult times come, We're not separating into our own camps about this or that. We are united in the cause of Jesus Christ. And that way, when we're in one mind in one spirit, we can hold firm in the gospel, not of the political situation, not of the red state or the blue state, but in the the kingdom of heaven. And we can do this together. Everyone's still awake. Oh, good. (laughs) The purpose of standing first... uh, of standing firm, being of one mind and spirit, working together is the gospel of Christ. He's, man, I'll just say it this way. If Jesus isn't the why, then what are we doing here? Honestly, if Jesus Christ and him crucified in the message of Jesus Christ isn't the reason to stand firm and be of one mind and one spirit, standing firm in his teaching, standing firm in the example of Christ, standing firm in his promise of his return, what's the point today? And the Bible said this, and in no way, verse 28, and in no way, be alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. And this too from God. You know, in in thinking over the last few years, there's been a lot of emotions I felt, you felt, we've all felt, right? I mean, if it's not been the craziest time, at least in my lifetime, I don't know what is. I mean, everyone, we've all, we've been angry, angry we've been angry at that, we've been angry at that, we've been angry at that person, that person, that person. Uh, You know, we we get angry when we feel our faith is being disrespected or disregarded. We get upset and anxious and stressed when we don't understand what the world is doing around us. I mean, if the world isn't upside down right now, I don't know what is. And it it messes with us, right? It messes with us. And and then the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the anger, the discouragement, and, and honestly, it just goes on and on. Paul's saying to this, you don't have to give in to that stuff. Now hear me. You don't have to give in to that stuff. Yeah, but Pat, don't, don't stop listening to the world around you. And listen to what God's word has to say. We're not to be alarmed, panicked, or surprised by those who are opposed to the gospel of Christ. God knows how the story ends. I, honestly, can I just say this? COVID didn't catch God by surprise. The, the division and all the stuff that's happening out in our culture didn't catch God by surprise. Jesus said these words. He said it in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. He said, Listen, people are going to like darkness better than light. Jesus said, They're going to hate you because they hate me. Jesus already said that there's nothing that's happening around that for some, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Here's the point it's okay to be angry. Somebody's saying, Well, I was waiting for Ray to get with it. It's okay to be angry. So now you say, okay, let's do this. Now here's the thing. You just gotta point your anger in the right direction. How about being angry with the enemy of our soul? Right? How about being angry with, I talked with a high school teacher before the nine o'clock service and young people are getting ripped apart. Don't be angry with them. Be, Be angry with the one who's tearing them down. Be angry with the, with the instruments of his, the arrows and things that he's shooting at our young people and our marriages and our relationships. Be good and angry, but just point your, your anger in the right direction. Be angry with, with the enemy, the powers and principalities, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible said, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Don't get mad at those people out there who denigrate your faith or who are upset because you're a Christian or you don't follow their lifestyle. Don't get angry at them. Weep for them. Because the Bible said right there, they're perishing. That if they don't come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said they're gonna die and make hell their home. Let that break your heart. Don't get mad at them. Weep for them. They need someone to care enough to not get mad at them. But weep for them. Yeah, but Pastor A, no buts today. Weep for those who don't know Jesus. Don't get mad at them. Don't let stress and anxiety fill your soul. The only wins that count is when we help someone to know Jesus Christ. Verse 29 through 30, and we'll close right here. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer on his behalf experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me. See the good news is we've been forgiven. We've bought into the uh, we've been allowed the gospel of grace the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. And you want more good news? Wait for it. You get to suffer for Jesus. Some of you are saying wait what? What did he just say? Yes, you get to suffer on his behalf. There's the James chapter one. We're all gonna face trials and stuff in our lives, pressures, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about when we suffer for his sake, when people come back at you because of your faith or doing the right thing or walking in integrity, When you hold the line, when you stand firm, when your conduct reflects well upon Jesus Christ, you're going to get pushback sometimes. People aren't going to like how you're living. I I suggest that is suffering for Christ. When your life aligns with the teachings of Jesus and people don't like it and they they push back and they say mean things to you and they tear you down and they just don't like you. For me, that's suffering for Christ. let, Let me tell you something. I say this in all love. If you're going on Facebook or social media and you're being a jerky Christian, you know what a jerky Christian is? It's when you write mean and stupid things and then people come back at you and you think you're suffering for Jesus. If you're a jerk to people, you're not suffering for Jesus. You're, you're suffering because you're a jerk. I'm being, is that okay to say? That's, a, that's different than loving people into the kingdom of God and, and getting pushed back for that. We live in a country, praise the Lord, that I can still go proclaim the name of, Je- name of Jesus. I can say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and, and I can still do that. We live in an amazing set of freedom. I've been to places, Mary and I have talked with people who get beat up when they proclaim the name of Jesus. They lose their businesses when they proclaim Jesus. They are threatened by their, for their very lives. We live in a place that doesn't happen. Well, Pastor Ray, No. Let's stop being in it to win it. Jesus didn't come to win. He came to lose so we could win. He came, I mean, honestly, Machiavelli, you know what he'd say about Jesus? Loser. He's humiliated, he's mocked, he's scourged, is the song we sang earlier. Crown of thorns on his head, he dies an ignominious death, and he's forgotten. Really? Some would say the greatest loser of all time. I would say the lamb has become the lion of Judah. And one day he will come and he will reign and rule. And between now and then, let the conduct of my life, let the conduct of your life, let my heart's cry be not to win, but to walk in such a way as to point people to Jesus. Stand with us. Let's worship the Lord together.